Welcome to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com or visit us any Sunday at LA Trade Tech College. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know me and have seen him. Well, good morning, New Story Church. Who's glad to be here? So good. So good to see you guys. Uh, how are your NCAA basketball brackets doing? Yeah? It's, uh, uh, how about UC Irvine? Uh, those mighty anteaters. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, anyways, so good. So good to be with you guys this morning. Again, welcome to New Story Church. My name is Tom. I have a, the privilege of being one of the pastors here. And uh, today we are smack dab in the middle of Lent. The season of Lent. This is traditionally uh, for the church a season that leads up to Easter uh, that is really about uh, reflection and extended kind of restraint. And what that means is basically uh, we are also in the middle of our Lenten series, our preaching series, that we are calling I Am. Uh, the reason why we're calling it I Am is because we're going to focus on the seven particular, very specific times where Jesus declares in the Gospel of John who he is, and he uses the phrase, I am such and such and such and such. And this is very helpful because uh, when Jesus was doing that, when he was uh, basically demonstrating to everyone who he was, he was doing it in the context of the city, uh, the city of Jerusalem. And so it's just interesting, and it's helpful to understand who he says he was in Jerusalem and who he actually means and what he means for us today uh, in the city of L.A. As a matter of fact, this has been such a fun series. Many of you have been kind of giving us some feedback, sending us emails, posting stuff online, which is all really fun. One of you uh, shared this, a sister shared this. She said, I've been in and out of church for a while now, but these messages are really helping me see Jesus in a different way, praise God. Uh, and it's actually starting to stick with me, she says. And then she continues and uh, she basically thanks. 
thanks us. And that's, that's awesome. That's so good. That's so encouraging. And basically, uh, my heart's prayer is that today would be no different for each of you sitting here, as well as for those of you watching online. And uh, just to kind of get things uh, rolling here, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to invite our sister Felicia to come on forward. And uh, let's give Felicia a big hand, okay? It's, it's not the easiest thing to stand in front of so many people. And she's going to read from us uh, the Word of God. I think it's found in John 14, right? John 14, 1 through 7. You got your mic there? and yes, Go ahead. It's on. Yeah. <laughs> Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Amen. This is the word of God. Let's thank Felicia. So good. So good. This is the word of God. Now, friends, I have a question for you based on what our sister Felicia just read for us. And that question is this. Have you ever, ever, ever in your life, maybe even today, have you ever been discouraged by Jesus? Have you ever been discouraged by Jesus? You know, last week, Pastor Blake did a great job. He asked something very similar. He said, has Jesus ever disappointed you? Has Jesus ever disappointed you? And I kind of want to pick up from where he last left off, uh, because whether you realize it or not, those following Jesus up until the point that Felicia just read for us, John chapter 14, those who were following Jesus, his disciples as it were, as well as the mass crowds, they were pretty bummed out. They were pretty discouraged. They had been disappointed by Jesus at that point in the Gospels. See, in John chapter 14, what we need to understand is Jesus was disappointing a lot of people. Uh, More specifically, in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus had, at that point, multiple times, track with me now, multiple times he had said that he was going away. He said it in chapter 7, he said it in chapter 8, he said it twice in chapter 12, he said it again in chapter 13, and now here we are in chapter 14, where Jesus keeps saying repeatedly, repeatedly, I'm going away, I'm going away, I'm going to peace out, I'm not going to be with you guys anymore, I'm leaving. And so it's kind of like, well, Jesus, what, what's the problem? Why are you, we were just getting into it. Like, I was just starting to get you, and like, I thought we had something going here, but now you're saying that you're leaving? And, and then on top of that, we need to understand this, that, that in addition to Jesus saying that he was leaving, he, his tone would, would sometimes get very morbid. It would get morbid. He kept on talking about his death. He kept on saying how he was going to die soon, okay? So that's like kind of a downer, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know if your parents are like this, but my mom, she's perfectly healthy, but she keeps telling me how old she's getting and how she's going to die soon, and I have to be nice to her, right? So like, that's kind of like, is Jesus, are you doing that? What's happening right now? Why do you keep saying you're going to go away? Why do you keep saying that you're going to die, right? And then on top of that, Jesus starts calling people out, like throwing people under the bus, so to speak. 
Did you know that Jesus even said uh, in a crowded environment, he said, uh, you know what, I, you guys look very nice and you're here on time and you're worshiping, all that, that's great. And, and you say the right things in front of my face and you look the right way in front of my face, but I know for a fact that one of you is going to betray me. So like you're, you're trying to like be cool and be my friend right now, but I know for a fact one of you is going to betray. As a matter of fact, he told his boy Peter, right, who's like one of his closest friends, he not only did he call Peter out, but he called Peter out in front of everybody, right? It's like one thing to be called out. It's another thing to be called out in front of everyone, right? Has your boss ever called you out? That's one thing. That's pretty bad. Has your boss ever called you out in front of your coworkers? That's like horrifying, that's what happened to Peter, right? So Jesus is saying that he's going to go away. Jesus is saying that he's going to die. Jesus is calling people out now. And then on top of that, what makes it absolutely the worst is that Jesus, at one point, he basically says to his disciples, his closest friends, he says, you know what he says? He says, you know something? The devil is at work in all of you. The devil is at work in all of you. And in some way, shape, or form, you're all going to fall away from me. I mean, you're going to go away soon, right? That's what he keeps on saying. I'm going to go away. I'm going to die. Let me call you out in front of your friends. Oh, and by the way, the devil's in you. God bless you, everybody. <laughs> right? That's not exactly the warm, fuzzy feeling that we expect, right? Yet that's what happens. Are you starting to see that, that this isn't the happy-go-lucky Jesus this isn't the nice, quote-unquote, Christianese environment that maybe you're used to. You see, friends, context is everything. Hopefully something that you've been kind of gleaning from this series as we've been going through the scriptures verse by verse is you're starting to see, oh, man, you know, understanding the context really helps me understand how Jesus is the bread of life. Understanding the context of the synagogue and the temple really makes me understand how Jesus is the light of the world. And today, context is going to be king as well. And so with that in mind, Jesus speaks to this sort of gloom and doom, down and out crew. And what is the first thing that he says? It's what our sister Felicia just read for us. This, this is this dark cloud surrounding everything, right? Everyone's sort of depressed. There's this gloom and doom atmosphere. The, the, the crew is sort of down and out. And what is the first thing that he says? Verse 1, he says this. Do not, what's the word there? Let. Let's try it again. Do not let. Do not allow. Do not permit. Do not acquiesce to. Do not let your hearts be what? Troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. There's gloom and doom. There's this feeling of like, what's going on with Jesus? Why does he keep on saying these things and doing these things? And he's saying that he's going to leave. And he's saying that he's going to die. And now he's calling me out. And now he's calling the person next to me out. And now he's saying that I got the devil in me. So what's going on? I'm sort of discouraged. I'm sort of depressed. I'm sort of, I don't know what Jesus is doing. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. See, it's not that he's saying that these factors that he's dealing with are not true. It's not that he's belittling the doom and gloom. It's not he's that he's pretending that and he's saying that it doesn't exist. No, he acknowledges it, but he says, nevertheless, do not let, do not allow 
your heart to be troubled. In the original Greek, it reads, me tarasesto, which basically, it, the, the literal translation is, permit no stirring. In the original Greek, it's talking about permit no stirring in your heart. Your heart right now is stirring. You can't go to sleep at night because you think about all these things and there's no peace. And so all around your heart and your mind, it's stirring. May tarasesto. The literal translation is allow no agitation. Because right now, everything in your life is friction. Everything in your life is like this and there's a lot of turbulence. But allow no friction. Don't allow it. In other words, Jesus is encouraging, actually, no, a step further, Jesus actually is instructing his followers amidst all the gloom and doom, when everyone is sort of licking their wounds, right, and feeling sorry for themselves. Do you ever feel like that? You ever feel sorry for yourself, right? I do sometimes, right? Oh, nobody understands. I'm just struggling with this on my own. I get another complaint. I got another bad email. No one sees this. I'm just going to have to deal with this with Jesus. No one, nobody sees my, I don't know how that song goes. Nobody sees my sorrows. Nobody sees my struggles, my troubles, right? Woe is me, right? You ever feel like that? Well, Jesus is saying, Jesus is looking at that particular situation, the person in that situation. And do you know what he says here? He says, friends, guys, wake up. Do not let yourself get down. There's a choice to be made here. Do not let yourself get down. Don't allow yourself to crumble. He's saying to get a grip. Get a grip. I know things are bad. I know things aren't perfect. But get a grip. Get a grip. See, friends, sometimes whatever gloom and doom you may be surrounded in, sometimes Jesus, you know what he says? He says, don't let it bring you down. You are letting it bring you down. And this is key because it's our first point for today. Point number one is this. Your heart, your responsibility. Your heart, your, go ahead and jot it down. Your heart is your responsibility. Your heart, your responsibility. My heart, my responsibility. In fact, go ahead and after you jot it down, I want you to turn to someone and say, my heart, my responsibility. Amen, amen. Now turn to someone else and say, your heart, your responsibility. <laughs> Why are you so lively with that one, huh? <laughs> Why? Well, you were very quick to say that to somebody else, but not about yourself, right? <laughs> All right? So here's the deal, right? Jesus is saying, your attitude is actually your responsibility. Did you know that? That's a choice. I say this to my kids all the time. Hey, listen, girls. Things are not always going to go your way. As a matter of fact, most of the things in life are not going to go your way. Even if you love Jesus, it's just not going to go your way. Why? This world is broken. We talked about that last week when we talked about New Zealand. This world is broken. It's clearly broken. And so things aren't always going to go your way, but you always have a choice. No matter how bad things get, you always have a choice. Your attitude is on you, not on Jesus, not on God, not on your circumstances, not on your pastor, not on your church, not on the person sitting next to you, not even how you were treated as a child. No, I'm not saying that those things aren't important. I'm not saying that those things aren't influential. I'm not saying that those aren't added to the equation. However, at the end of the day, 
dollar for dollar, when the rubber meets the road, your attitude is on you, your heart, your responsibility. And some of you, quite honestly, I say this lovingly, hear my heart. Some of you need to hear that. Your attitude, your heart, your responsibility. You know, even the Old Testament book of wisdom, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, has this key verse. It says, above all else, no matter what else is going on in your life, above everything, first and foremost, above all, guard your what? Your heart. Guard your heart. Above everything else, guard your heart for everything. Everything you what? Do. Everything you do flows from it. Did you know that? This is what the Word of God says. The Word of God encourages you. It instructs you. Hey, listen, you better guard your heart. The most important thing is to guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. And we like to blame a lot of other situations and a lot of other people and a lot of other circumstances. But no, no, no. You guard your heart. Don't be looking for no guardian angel, okay? No, no, no. You. You guard your heart. Who's the onus on? It's on you, right? And it's on me, right? And you know, this makes a lot of sense because once you start taking ownership, right, once you start taking ownership of your attitudes and your actions, then and only then are you truly able to fully accept what Jesus is about to say next. Because what he is about to say next, it's a bomb. It's an absolute bomb. His next I am statement is just, it's, it's, it's blunt. It's, it's, not, it's not like this laser beam. It's like a blunt, like... You, He's going to bludgeon you, as a matter of speaking, right? And I'll tell you why. It's because in his next self-description, uh, his next self-description is so heavy, it's so deep, and, and it's, it's, a, it's one of those in-your-face moments, okay? Jesus has a few of these in the gospel, an in-your-face moment where it's like, take it or leave it. I'm not going to dance around this. I'm not going to beat around the bush, I'm not going to mince words. I'm going to be very blunt here. In other words, what this is not is this is not the flannel graph Jesus that some of us grew up with, right? Raise your hand if you know what a flannel graph Jesus is, right? Does this bring you back to Sunday school? Yeah, you just revealed how old you are, okay? Just, I'm just saying, okay? Millennials are like, what is a flannel graph? I just, right? Flannel graph Jesus, Mr. Meek and Mild, right? Some of you grew up with this. I grew up with that, right? I came to the Lord through flannel graph, okay? So, but this is not that Jesus, all right? This is not that Jesus. So buckle up and skip with me down to verse 6. Verse 6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the what? Way. I am the way and the truth and, oh, by the way, the life as well. See, friends, again, you have to appreciate the context from which he's saying this. Because if you're like me, if you raise your hand about the flannel graph Jesus, then that just means you, like me, are so overchurched. Like, you know all the Bible stories. You know the Ten Commandments. You can recite the 66 books in the Bible. That's no problem, right? You know there are 39 in the Old Testament. You know there are 27 in the New Testament. All that stuff. Like, you know this stuff, Right? And so the problem here is when we hear something like this and when we hear John 14 and when, we, and when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we sort of glaze over it for, yeah, in a tender moment, maybe when the music's just right. 
Maybe we're like, oh yeah, Jesus, you are the way. Like we get it, right? But here's the reality. Jesus, remember, he's saying this when he says this for the first time. You and I have to travel back in time. We have to use our brains a little bit and we have to be in that place and now travel with me back to the first century. When Jesus is saying this for the first time, he is a 30-something-year-old man in a big city. He's homeless. And so this 30-something-year-old man is traveling this big city of Jerusalem, and he's causing a stir. You see, some people think that he's, you know, positioning himself to be the next king. And, and other people think that he's doing all this weird stuff and he's going in these religious places. That guy must be demon-possessed. And some people think in the same city, they're like, oh, wait a minute, you know, like, uh, he, I, he's doing all these, I just want to lean in more. I can't get close enough. I want to lean in. What is he saying? Who is this Jesus? And other people are just like, whoa, whoa, my cousin told me about him. Like, he's doing all this weird stuff. And they're kind of like watching from afar, right? And in the midst of this polarity, okay, can you imagine this young homeless man audaciously saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Friends, let me ask you, how would you respond if you were then and there, in that moment, when this man says that? How would you respond? Let me, let me get, can I get personal here? Can I? Do you fancy yourself to be a good Christian man in that moment? Yeah, I, Pastor Tom, I would be a good Christian man. Amen, Jesus. Amen. I'm, I'm with you. Is that how you fancy yourself? Do you really think that you would respond? Well, I would be an upstanding Christian woman. Of course. Of course he's the truth, the life, and the way. Of course. Do you, do you fancy yourself to be that kind of Christian woman? Because in that moment, I'll tell you something. You might be that good Christian man or woman. I certainly am not. If your, if your pastor was in that moment at that place where this homeless 30-something-year-old man who's so polarizing says something as definitive as I am the way, the truth, and the life, I'd be like, what did he just say? Pfft, that dude is cray. That's what your, that's what your pastor would feel like at that moment. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. Maybe you're a better Christian than me. You probably are. I mean, just think about this, right? Think about it today. Here we are in the year 2019. Okay, let me ask you a very simple question. Um, does the world today, do you think that the world today tolerates a bold, definitive, all-encompassing statement like the one Jesus just made? Does the world today tolerate that? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. If you so much as hint as anything like that, anything declarative, anything all-encompassing, anything so absolute, I mean, you would be so quickly deemed an extremist or something worse. That's the climate that we live in right now today in this world. And you know what? It was no different in Jerusalem as well, right? And so Jesus, nevertheless, he says it then, declarative, absolute, all-encompassing statement, 
And if Jesus were walking the streets physically today here in L.A., he would say and do the same exact thing. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he pushes it further. Because if that statement doesn't bother you enough, he pushes it even further, man. He pushes it and he says, you know what? There's no way to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, the only way to God, Jesus is saying, the only way. Like, I get it, you you, you believe this, maybe you were raised in this kind of culture. Jesus is saying, no, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. The only way to God the Father is through me. There are no multiple paths. It's a one-way street, and you're looking at it. Everything else, Jesus says, is a dead end. That's very offensive. If you're not offended by that, then you're not listening. If intellectually, cerebrally, culturally, you're not offended by what Jesus says, you're not listening. He says that he's the only way. He says that the only way to God is through him. Wait, you mean that I can't get it through like living a pious life? But, Pastor Tom, I've, I've never drank in my life. Pastor Tom, I'm a, I'm a committed man. I'm a one-woman man. And, like, I've never even looked at other women. I've never even thought about it. Pastor Tom, I give all my money. I give, I give half my earnings to the church and, and to good causes. None of that counts. None of that counts. Jesus says that he's the only way. No other way to the Father except through him. That's bold. Friends, you ever hear uh, the parable of the blind men, the six blind men and the elephant? Have you ever heard this? Right? Uh, back in college, I was a philosophy major, psych minor. Don't hold that against me. Uh, it was a philosophy major, psych minor. And so um, I, I, this, this is when I first heard this tale. It's a fictional tale, uh, but it proves a point here. Uh, and, and so basically, anyways, this tale, I think, originated in India, if I'm not correct. Uh, and it, it's since appeared in, in a lot of religious and philosophical debates. Uh, we would talk about it in certain classes and whatnot, uh, because it basically tells the tale of how there were these six, bl- again, this is a fictional tale, but it proves a point, like all parables, it proves a point, even Jesus' parables, they, they, were, they were stories that he would tell to prove a point. And so this is a, a, a parable um, that basically says that there were these six blind men, right? Six blind men who were walking along and they came across an elephant for the first time. They had never experienced, they had never encountered an elephant before. And so uh, these six blind men, they're trying to discern what this thing is that's obstructing the road, their path, right? And so one of them like feels like the tusk. Right? And it's like, oh my gosh, it's a spear. Like, well, be careful. And another one's like, what were you talking about? It's a spear. Like, and, he, and, he, and he's touching the side of the elephant. This is like a tremendous wall. We need to walk around this wall. And then another one's like feeling the leg. It's, it's, not, a, it's, not, a, it's not a spear. It's not, it's not a wall. This is a, tr- a tree trunk. You know, it's a tree. And another one feels the tail. And it's like, no, this is a rope. What are you guys even talking about? Right? And so on and so forth. And, and, and all of a sudden, this commotion and this argumentation and everything's getting bombastic and all this stuff is happening. And there's a palace nearby on the side of the road. And the Raja is awoken, the, the young prince, he's, he's, he's awoken from all the commotion that's happening outside. And he basically, he, he looks outside and discern, he discerns what happens. And, and then finally, he sees everything and he's just like, listen, friends, my friends, you are all partially correct. And you are all partially incorrect. 
For each of you stands before the same humongous, gigantic animal, this beast, right? And, and, and so the moral of the tale, especially with regards to religion, right, and, and philosophical conversations, the moral of the tale becomes something like this. It, it's, it's this idea that, you know what, you need to be humble, okay? Just be humble, you see a piece, and I see a piece. And the person over here sees a piece, and that person over there sees a piece. So can we just, can we just be, don't get so excited, okay? No one sees the whole picture. We all just see one particular part, right? And honestly, if you just think about that at face value, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Like, just intellectually, just not even as a Christian, just as a human being, as you, as you think about that tale and as you think about the moral, if you think about the, the, the guiding principle, you're like, mm, that, okay, that sounds reasonable. That sounds decent. That even sounds wise, right? Except for one major flaw. You see, that flaw is this. The whole premise, everything, the whole... Te- Everything backfires. It collapses on itself the second that you say everyone sees just a little bit. Follow me now, okay? The second you say everyone sees just a little bit, what are you doing? You're assuming that someone sees the whole thing. The only way that you can see that, oh, you see a little bit and I see a little bit, is if somebody's saying or somebody's telling you the whole thing. Does that make sense? Right? In other words, how could, how could you know that each blind man only sees a part unless someone is telling you, someone who's not blind is telling you what the whole is? Right? So friends, Jesus sees the whole. He is, Jesus is effectively, if we were to put him in that parable, if we were to place Jesus in that tale, Jesus is effectively the Raja, so to speak. Right? Jesus is the one who sees the whole. And because there is one who sees the whole, that one who sees everything, guess what he says? He says to you and he says to me this morning, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you see, it's because someone does see the whole, and because that person who sees the whole makes such a declarative and absolute and all-encompassing and definitive statement, it's because he does that that you and I are now faced into a corner intellectually, cerebrally, you and I philosophically are faced into a corner. We're painted into a corner. And do you know what that corner is? It's point number two. Point number two is this. Jesus, you have to make the decision. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. That's it. Those are the three options. He's either lying or he's crazy or he's Lord. Now, again, chances are, I bet you, if you're in the flannel graph Jesus group, you already know that this uh, a line of apology, this argumentation, this thinking, 
comes from C.S. Lewis, right? And so I'm not this smart. I'm just reading. I just read a lot, okay? Uh, C.S. Lewis is often uh, credited for this simple but very profound apologetic argument from his classic book, Mere Christianity, where he writes this. And, and this, this quote is just amazing. Uh, it, it can, for some of you, it can change your life, okay? It's lengthy, but it's worth our time. In Mere Christianity, uh, C.S. Lewis uh, posits the the liar-lunatic Lord argument, and he says it this way, far more eloquently than I ever could. He says this, quote, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. A lot of people say that, right? That is the one thing we must not say. Can't say that. He continues, a man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, okay, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Is he crazy or is he the devil? Uh, either this man, C.S. Lewis continues, either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You see, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. That's absolute gold right there. I mean, what do you just, just read mere Christianity, okay? I'm, I'm just going to leave that there. I, it, there's nothing to expound. I can't, I'll just mess it up if I talk more. We got to move on. You know, later today, we've got the uh, first of four membership gatherings. I am so for these. I, t- I tell you what, God has been doing an amazing work, not just in the last five, seven months, but he's been doing a, a greater, larger work in the, in the course of decades uh, through YNCC, now uh, New Story Church. And um, I would love to see Every, like every single one of you has a part, has a place, right? Uh, you can either come to the OG gathering or you can come to the new school gathering. I would love for every single person here watching online uh, to come to one of the next four gatherings in the next four Sundays. Anyways, having said that, uh, you know, as we've been preparing, you know, the team has been working hard, a lot of volunteers, the staff, the elders, as we've been uh, kind of preparing these environments, the first of which is tonight, um, I, I've been kind of, kind of going through some of my notes and just kind of spending some time with God. Okay, God, like what, what What's going on? What do you want? And um, in the midst of that, it's kind of funny. Uh, it seems like ages ago, but I, I was kind of looking through some of my old notes, and I was thinking of one of the first messages I ever preached uh, at, at Young Knox Celebration Church, now New Story. Uh, this is like seven months ago, right? Um, and basically, uh, in one of the first messages, I think it was like the second or third message, I shared this chart here. Yeah, okay. You guys, how many of you remember this chart? Go ahead and raise your hand if you remember. Okay, all right, so a fair number of us, about, about half of us. That's great, okay. Uh, for, those, uh, for the sake of those uh, that, that don't remember or weren't with us now because uh, you're new school now, great, awesome. Uh, l- let me just share with you. This, this chart in, the, in this particular message, uh, I was sharing uh, the different ways uh, of culture. There's the predominant Eastern culture and there's the predominant Western culture. Culture, right? Uh, and so these are just, you know, listen, uh, I got an email from someone saying, well, you know, that's specifically that one area. Listen, this is like, this is a chart, okay? It's a chart. 
big ideas, right? Just big principles, okay? And not, not incredibly nuanced, but it just helps put us in the right direction, right? And so anyways, um, and, and so this chart, it, it describes the way. For instance, uh, when, when, I think I listed like six different uh, categories there. Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, when we talk about speech, the topic of speech, uh, there's an Eastern way of thinking about speech and that it's all about harmony, Right? When you speak to someone uh, from an Eastern perspective, from an Eastern way, uh, let there be cohesion, let there be cohesiveness, let there be peace, uh, let there be harmony. Uh, from a Western perspective, when it comes to talking, when it comes to speaking, what's it about? It's about truth. You gotta be truth tellers, right? And so those are two different ways to approach speech, right? As a matter of fact, you know, uh, the, from, from the, from the Western perspective, when they see an Eastern, uh, display, an application of speech, uh, that focuses on harmony, uh, the, from the Western perspective, that can actually seem dishonest. Like, wait a minute, why didn't you say this, this, or that? Or like, you couched it really differently. You were kind of tiptoeing around that. It seems like you didn't want to upset anybody. You were very afraid of that. Like, you weren't being very honest. From the west, from the western, from the yeah, from the eastern perspective, when they look at the western pattern of speech, the way of speech, and and it's all about honesty. It's like, whoa, that was really rude. Like, why did you say it that way? Like, do you not, do you have no self-awareness? Do you not understand how that comes across? So it, do you see, the, nod your head if this is making sense, yeah? Okay, so there's an Eastern way, there's a Western way, right? When it comes to motivations, right? Oh my gosh, like, this is totally my life. This is, this is why I'm schizophrenic, okay? Because like, I, I was, I was I'm, I'm Eastern in the sense that like, you know, my, I have two immigrant parents, you know, Korean-American, blah, 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 but I'm Western in the sense that I was born and raised in Passaic, New Jersey. I mean, come on, like, that's like, that's, you know, that's very different than like Seoul or Busan or Jejudo, whatever, okay? So anyways, so I'm schizophrenic, okay? My name is Thomas, it's Didymus, it means Didymus, it means twin, I'm a Gemini, so I, I have everything working against me, okay? My heart, my attitude, though. Anyway, so anyways, okay, so... When it comes to motivations, right? When it comes to motivations, from a Western perspective, it's all about rights and privilege, right? It's all about rights and privilege. What are your rights? These are my rights, right? Uh, this, this is my privilege. From an Eastern perspective, motivations are all about duty and obligation. Like, you better do this. This is your duty. I'm telling you, what you, this is your, uh, honor thy mother and father, right? Like, that's, that's, that's what it is, right? That's how I grew up, right? So that's why I'm schizophrenic. I, I believe in both, all right? So ethics. What about ethics, right? Well, ethics, this is really fine. I, I said I wouldn't go through all this, but I'll just, this will be the last one that I share, okay? Ethics. Ethics is like, you know, from, from an Eastern perspective, it's, it's shame-based. It's like, not, I, I didn't just do something bad, I am bad, right? That's like very, that's so shame-based, right? Like, ah, oh, I didn't just mess up, I am a mess up, right? Oh, I hate myself, right? From a Western perspective, when it comes to ethics, it's not shame-based, it's guilt-based. So it's not that, it's not that I'm bad, I just did something bad, right? I'm not a bad person. I, I, I may have messed up there. I may have done something bad, but I'm not bad. Like totally two different ways of doing it, right? So anyways, I, I don't have the time to go into all that. You can listen to the message and go to YouTube. You go to our uh, newstorychurch.com. You can download the message. That'd be great. Okay, all right. All that to say, I feel like in light of today's passage, particularly, right? I feel like... <laughs> I feel like if Jesus, like we're physically here right now, we could audibly hear him and see him. I feel like he would look at this and be like, oh, Crazy Rich Island, oh, that was a good movie. Oh, um, I feel like he would look at this chart and be like, oh, I see. I, that's so, oh, so precious, so cute. Oh, East, the East, you have your way. Oh, 
Oh, God bless you. God bless you. And the West. Oh, that's so, so charming. I, I love it. It's just, you have your way. Oh, so the East has their way and the West has their I bet the North has their way and the South has their way. I even heard that you have a restaurant that says, have it your way. <laughs> Yet what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I, in and of myself, me, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And friends, what I'm trying to say this morning is this. If you truly accept Jesus for what he says and who he is, you let him into your life, you let him into your heart, and you accept him for what he is, that changes everything. Because you know what? I want to show you a different chart. And here's how it changes everything. You see, we already said this is basically the same chart in a different skin, okay? So you can take out the crazy rich uh, Asians and you can throw that chart away. This is the new chart that uh, hopefully that, that you embrace, okay? And again, this is not all inclusive. It's not exhaustive. This is just some of my thoughts that I'm putting down for you. I hope, hopefully it's as helpful for you as it is for me. Uh, but when we talk about speech, we already said the East is harmony, West is honesty. But do you know what Jesus says? Jesus is the way, right? He is the truth. He is the life. So he says, no, 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 it's not about just honesty. It's not just about harmony. But he actually says, speak the truth in love. That's the way of Jesus. Ephesians 4 says to speak the truth in love, right? When you talk about motivations, it's not about duty and obligation or about rights and privilege. It's about God's glory. That's what should motiva motivate you. Matthew chapter 6, go ahead and read that. Read the Sermon on the Mount. But seek first his what? His kingdom and his righteousness. It's about his glory. That's what motivates. Not duty and obligation. Not rights and privilege. Or how about ethics? Let's talk about guilt-based or shame-based. How about no? How about Jesus' way is grace-based? That's the way of Jesus. Read Romans 6, the entire book. Of, spend a week in Romans 6. I know we're going through John as a church right now, but just add a little bit. Add some Romans 6, and you will see grace-based ethics. What about relationships? Relationships, we have hierarchical, right? The Eastern way is all about order, right? Who's, especially like the older you are, the typically the higher up on the hierarchy that you are, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas uh, uh, Westernism is all about uh, collectivism, right? Uh, it's all, or egalitarianism, where everything's equal, right? Everyone's on the equal path, everyone's uh, a, a, on a parallel path. But Jesus says, no, no, no. How about in relationships? How about it's not about that or this? How about it's about loving others and serving others? You know, in the Gospel of Luke, actually, Jesus took it so far as he said in Luke chapter 8, he says, you know what? You keep asking me who my people are, who my mother is, who my father is, who my brothers and sisters are. Here's my brother. Here's my mother. It is the one who believes the word of God, listens to the word of God, and does it. That's what relationships should be based on. 
What about self-disposition, right? Uh, Eastern way is all about like restraint and, and, and like respect, right? And, and, and that's, that's, this is where I'm a bad Asian, right? Because I, 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 I have to express myself. And that's where the, where the Western side comes out, where it's about self-assertion, right? And about self-expressiveness. But Jesus says, yeah, well, those are parts of it. But you know what? The actual way is Christ-centeredness and others-focused. Because both of those ways, the Eastern and the Western way, are so self-focused. But I want you to center on me. And I want you to be others-focused. That's the way. What about worldview, Pastor Tom? Well, Eastern Way says collectivism. That was the scene, in, in, the most powerful scene to me in the, in the movie CRA, uh, where, where, where the, the mother-in-law character, uh, Michelle Yao's character, basically says to the younger uh, 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 to-be uh, daughter-in-law, basically she says, you don't understand the concept of family. You don't understand the concept of loyalty. You're American. You're Western. And so you just want to live for yourself. But you know what? I've had to die to myself to propel the family to uphold the family. So you don't understand that concept because I'm a collectivist and you're an individualist, right? Whereas the, the Western world is all about the individualism. It's all about propping yourself up and being a self-made man and living the American dream, right? And it's all about building yourself up and building yourself up and building yourself up. But what if Jesus comes around and he says, no, 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 it's not about collectivism. It's not about individualism. It's about ephemeralism, which is basically a made-up word. I made that up. There is no such word as ephemeralism. I'm just <laughs> confessing that right now, okay? I said, like I said, this chart is helpful for me. It may not be helpful for you, but I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I, I, it just rhymes. Ephemeralism rhymes with everything. And I'm taking it from the word, the root word ephemeral, which means temporary, right? And so Jesus' worldview that he provides for us is, is this worldview of that, hey, you know what? By the way, this is a temporary world. This Hebrew says that this is not our home. Did you know that? This is not our home. It's ephemeral. You need to have an ephemeral worldview. You need to have an ephemeral mindset. Like our time is not our own. Like you and I, if we're blessed, if we're super, super blessed, we may live into our 80s, perhaps our 90s, but that's it. This world that we have, the house, the mortgage that you pay, it's temporary, man. It's temporary. It's ephemeral. We need to be kingdom-minded. We need to be eternal-minded. Jesus is the way. Friends, are you starting to see how if it's true, if it's really, really true that Jesus is the way, it changes everything? Are you starting to see that? It has to change everything. And if it doesn't change everything, then you're not believing what he's saying to believe. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Friends, throughout this I Am series, we have been super intentional. I hope, I hope if you've been with us for a while, you're, you're seeing the intentionality. We've been super intentional about creating a time and space during this season of Lent uh, to have extended worship, uh, extended time of reflection and response. Because we at New Story Church, we believe that worship is a response to revelation. That, that's just a simple understanding. Worship is a response to revelation. And so we've created a, a specific, a, an intentional time and space to reflect more, to respond more. And so... Band's already up here. I want, you to, I want you to do me this favor as we close. I want you to look at your notes, okay? And I want you to settle some accounts with Jesus right now. This is your time with Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come up today. Sometimes we do. Today we're not. 
I'm not going to ask you to write anything down or share with someone or, or leave it on your dashboard or anything like that. But I am asking everyone here to settle accounts with Jesus. Keep short accounts with Jesus. You, some of you need to do business with Jesus today. And as you do business, I'm, I'm going to ask you, I'm, 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 I'm encouraging you to spend some time reflecting on the revelation that Jesus says, I am the way. Do it my way, not your way. Follow me, not the world or your whims, me. I want you to follow me. And so I'm asking you, how are you responding in your speech? Is it your way? Is it the Eastern way? Is it the Western way? How are you responding in your motivations, in, in your relationships? I would even dig down further and I would ask you, how are you responding maybe in your parenting or in your dating or in your finances or in your marriage? How are you responding when you're angry? That, that's one for me. Like when I get angry, when I'm, when I'm like, I respond very differently than any other time. How do you respond in your anger? How do you respond in your woe is meanness when you're, when you're down in the dumps? See, because Jesus says, I am the way. Don't respond your way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So friends, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to please take a moment and be completely honest with yourself and with the Lord. Just be honest. No one else is going to see. This is between you and Jesus. And I, want to, I want you to answer this one question, just one question for you. Where in your life today is it more about your way rather than Jesus who is the way? Where in your life is it more about your way rather than Jesus who is the way? And that, whatever pops to your mind, you may have several things, but whatever are the first things that pop to your mind, man, this is a way where I'm just doing things my way. I know Jesus' way is different. Whatever that thing is, I'm asking you to, to take that thing and wrestle it to the ground right now in prayer and confess it and ask for forgiveness and receive his mercy and then get up and follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we confess right now that your son Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We confess right now that there's so many areas of our lives where uh, we are inclined to do it our way, or maybe even the way that the world teaches us, or maybe the way that, that we've been uh, conditioned and cultured uh, in our homes. Uh, Lord, we, we take these things, we bring them to you, and we ask you to show us more of not just the way, but show us more of you. Show us more of Jesus. Shine Jesus more into our lives that we may follow Jesus, who is the way, who is the truth, and who is the life. Be with us now during this extended worship, during this extended response, and help us to be brutally honest with ourselves and with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us in person at our LA campus. For directions, service times, and more info, check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again and see you soon.